Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, Junior Council Mages? This is Steven, your host with Phantology Podcast, along with my lifelong friend, Ben. And we are talking about the next two Alex Varys books. It's been a minute, but we're back uh, with another review for books eight and nine, Bound and Marked. Um, the titles don't really tell you about any of the books, and that's honestly one of my criticisms of the series because I can't tell any book, uh, you know, differentiate at all from the title. But uh, Bound and Marked, uh, books eight and nine. Yeah. I, I would say that's a similar complaint for me. I mean, looking, I don't know. There's, I guess, some things that you can tell, but like that's same with most with most books. I mean, think about Stormfront, the first Dresden book. It's like, yeah. I mean, I guess there was a storm at the end. Dresden but. does the same, but at least there's like two words in all the titles instead of just one word. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And plus, like, what do the like the cover photos of these books? They're just like landmarks in in London yeah. that don't really They're line just up different, to like, anything. Yeah, they're different shaded shots of the Tower Bridge and London landmarks. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't I don't know, but I mean I guess we're it's not about it's about what's inside the book. Cover. I guess <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forget the cover. Who cares about that? It's about it's about what's inside. So Ben uh, and Mark, uh, what did you think, Ben? How are these for you? Yeah, so it's getting to the point where these books are starting to all blend together for me, and I read them i've been well i've been listening to them so quickly um because i i've been driving for between two and three hours a day and so i can like bust through you know half of a book in one day so yeah that is a lot <laughs> yeah well i mean it's just, i listen to it on tech speed and then these books are only 10 hours long right so forgive my um forgetfulness a little bit here that must be a sign that you like them if you're busting through this quickly yeah so i mean I think if you made it this far in this series, you know that these aren't going to be like life-changing books, but you also know that they're going to be super fun and they're just going to be like nonstop action. So I think that that was my experience with these two. I think around the middle of Bound, I kind of was thinking to myself, okay, this has to have like a great ending in order for to justify, like in order for the series to start entering its end phases, like this has to have a great ending because, you know, by the end of nine, we only have what? three books after that yeah so you got to really be you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel for that especially with how short these books are and so i think that i did it fantastically by the end of nine by the end of bound or sorry by the end of eight which is bound i think that yeah, it, yeah. so okay so by succeeded. the end of eight you think it transitioned into kind of end phase pretty well or like set up what it, it set up a path forward for you to say like here's where the series is going and I'm excited to get there by the end. Yeah, exactly. Instead of like all the hints of the players coming together, you actually see them start to come together. Mm -hmm. So I, I appreciate that as well as the little twists along the way, by then it marked similarly. Um, it was starting to fulfill a lot of the promises that they have been making, particularly with Anne 
setting up Anne's character for so long with their like split personality mm-hmm. and stuff. So I think that there are some big payoffs here that needed to happen in order for me to have confidence going into the final stretch of these books. I mean, after seven, which was burned, I think I'm pretty sure that was the, the title of yeah, book seven. I so. Yeah, I mean that really changed a lot of things and kind of kicked it into gear. And then bound was where we saw like, okay, is this gonna is this gonna do a good job of changing um, the narrative and getting us into more of a big end game? And yeah, I think it did kind of flounder a bit through the beginning. It's a little slow kind of took its foot off the gas pedal from the ending of Burned. But then at the end, it it really did uh, wrap that book up pretty well. Yeah. And I think that we kind of traded Alex's like just identity as a shopkeeper to his new identity as a a politician or like political operative, at least, you know, instead of all the time standing behind the counter of the shop, he's spending the time in the hallway down by the council chambers or whatever, like talking to annoying people. Uh I will say, um, I, I enjoy seeing more of the the council chambers and stuff because when I was there, I went to that museum, the Churchill oh. War the the war rooms. But I hadn't read this far into the series, so I didn't realize that the. <laughs> did we already talk about this? I, I I didn't realize that the you know the council rooms were there. If I, otherwise, I would have looked around more. And, well, yeah, I mean, found Morton or somebody at least. Yeah, I mean. Hopefully, um, I, I don't know what year this is set in, but hopefully Morden is still not there. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I It's always fun visiting these spots, but you know, I don't think that the series has reached the level that they're going to have people that are fans of this book, like looking around, unlike maybe other series, you know, like you yeah. go to King's Cross station and you get a platform three quarters photo oh, shoot. I mean, well, like, I mean, you can't really compare hardly anything to harry potter okay that's fair i mean even like twilight's also really big but you know i went to forks one time we were on a vacation in washington and they still had some like twilight you know oh really fan things to do there yeah Mm. when i was in chicago i looked around at a few uh dresden things did they have did they have stuff about the series there or no no okay yeah Uh, that's what i'm saying i mean like not that i oh yeah like not available to the usual but you know i yeah i mean well, I guess I probably shouldn't say what is important for Dresden because of spoilers. Do you find a T-Rex or no? Maybe. <laughs> okay. Yes. I don't think that's really spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's on the, sure. It's on the cover of the books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of one book. Um. Yeah. But so, okay. So let's go into spoilers uh, for the book. So Bound, like we said, it started off a little slow. I thought the politics stuff are really, really not my favorite. I don't really care too much about the different light council mages. But I did like them going in like this mission to go into the hollow to get Alex's new uh, base of operations. That was nice. And I mean, he kind of needed a new home and it's good that he has one. Makes sense. I'm, I'm not really super attached to this place. It just kind of like exists as a placeholder for their base of operations. I thought the shop had a little more, uh, you know, kind of hominess Character. to it. Yeah. But I thought it's fine. No, I agree. I one one of the reasons why I really love that sequence is because it's not often after you've started a fantasy book series to really feel like you found a new fantastical element, right? And I think mm-hmm. that this realm, what do they call it? Like the, the bubble realm, the hollow. Yeah, the bubble yeah. realm. It's like a double bubble realm or something. But yeah, the hollow. Yeah, but specifically yeah. this one, it 
with their like fighting the plants and everything it really captured a new fantastical mm-hmm. element that uh, introduced something cool to the series and yeah. i know that we had explored bubble realms in the past but a lot of times they were just kind of bleak places where not a lot was happening this time you had flying plants it felt like i was in a episode or a level of a video game or something so i appreciated that part of the book and it was nice to see all of our you know alex's found family all working together and despite like the events of previous books they still are able to function together and like that hasn't torn them apart that that was uh necessary yeah exactly and especially how each of their personalities really serve to complement each other during the fights especially you know you have trigger happy oh what's his the fire mage Miriam. Yeah. Very, um, yeah, trigger happy very um you have Anne yeah, who's very, very like no we can't away. kill anybody yeah and how they're just all standing kind of in a circle with covering each other's backs is really cool mm-hmm. and it yeah, felt- I think that there are a lot of pretty cinematic uh, moments throughout this especially the fights I think I'll have just kind of a cool feel to them yeah and he's able to by the end of like Mistborn you are used to the fighting style Right, there's not a lot that changes with the whole. Oh, by the end of Mistborn, I'm so tired to hear about pulling on this, pushing on that, taking right. another vial. Like it's just it gets a little much, yeah. But with this one, he, he's able to change his stuff around enough so that you don't get too fired, too tired of the fighting style. And in this case, it was making it flying plants and stuff. I mean, yeah, I get tired of I Alex's mean, fighting style. Yeah, Alex's fighting style gets pretty derivative, like. I looked into the futures and here's what I saw and I acted accordingly. Like that, there's yeah. only so many ways to write that. And so there's, there's not that much unique that he can do. Sure. Yeah. But when you combine Alex's fighting style with, with Anne's and with um, Varium's and with Luna's, mm-hmm. it, then it starts to get a little bit more fun. Yeah. Yeah. And Alex just reacts to what else is going around, going on around him. So if there's a unique fight, he's always going to be reacting to things in different ways. So I guess that's not that boring, but I do think it would be cool if he got some new ability and he does get the dreamstone in this book. And so then he has the, you know, the psychic connection, but that doesn't really give him a new fighting ability. I, I maybe would have preferred a fighting ability over this passive ability. Yeah. Agreed. It definitely fits his personality more. And I think that that's what Oh my gosh, why am I blanking on the spider? The Arachne. Arachne was telling him when she uh, when she persuaded him to take that dreamstone instead of the one that could give you like dom is like dominion over somebody. Right. Because that that one was for Richard. And and that one you might have seen him be able to use it in a more combative way. But mm. Arachne understood that his real potential lies in the communicating and with the talking and with the planning true and true. so i think that that's potentially why that happened that yeah. way and that was some good setup you know foreboding the the domination dreamstone that it's like oh what's he gonna do with that <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. i do think that the sequence when they got the dreamstones could have been a little bit more clear on what was happening it just seems like they both kind of went down forked roads and then came back together and stuff had changed and Alex had kind of a vision of Anne hurting him and stuff. Mm, right. It was yeah, just I remember that. a little bit. I, I didn't know what it was supposed to represent. I didn't really know what Anne experienced. And then we're back to acting like nothing ever happened with it. So that was a little weird for me. 
So you're saying you're not sure what the significance is other than just kind of like a general sense of foreboding of the future with Anne, which I, I mean, I think we start to see, but maybe it would have been cooler if it was something specific. Yeah. And also to know what Anne saw, because she saw something too. She reacted to him in a strange way, if I'm remembering right, uh, right after right. The, like their first interaction. Like, I think she said, mm-hmm. oh, did you see anything? And he was, he kind of said no. And she paused for a second or something. Mm. What about the tree lady that is being foreshadowed right now that they had to kill, but now she's planted and starting to grow? Yeah. Is that the Karyos, I think is the name? Like the the one that had dominion over that realm? Right. Exactly. Yeah. The, the dryad thing. Yeah. I thought that was fine, but I don't know. At the same time, for me, a lot of these mages and antagonistic things kind of blend together. Like, there are a few with unique personalities, like, you know, obviously Richard and Morden and Vahela are kind of the big three on the dark side. And then there's a few memorable light mages, Tal said, what, Levistus and yeah. the council mages, Salsakwe, a few others. But I, I don't know. I don't think that it's either that we don't see a lot of these different opponents. We don't see them on screen for super long before we switch off to the next one or they're just not unique enough. But I just kind of struggle with the side characters in general throughout the series. A lot of the names just kind of go in and out of my head and I don't think about them again. Yeah, obviously with my forgetfulness on names, I feel the same way. Which when you're fitting so much plot into, you know, three or 400 page books, it is kind of tough to have memorable side characters. Yeah. I think we've definitely talked about the struggle with side characters before. I I never know, like, how do you make a side character good? It's really hard to establish a character quickly and make them memorable and then go on to the next one because you have to have side characters. You can't just have five main characters walk around and interact with no one. Right. I think the way that authors that are very good with character work, like Stephen King, what I've noticed, and I've only read a handful of his books, but he gives each side character such a strong like tick or something that really drives their personality. Even if it's just like somebody giving them somebody a cab ride, he'll like make Mm -hmm. them swear profusely and then say, forgive my French or something like that. Like there's just such strong, like he'll come up with one thing that really dominates their personality. The one thing about them. Right. And, and I think that that's what you're kind of saying. There's no, with these characters, there's nothing that really differentiates all these light mages on the light council, or they're just kind of hooded people mm-hmm. that sit around making yeah, decisions do, for the world. Yeah. They do kind of seem hooded. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't really imagine their faces because they're all kind of the same. You could enter. Right. Honestly, the, the main way that they're characterized is just by the level at which they like or dislike Alex. That's mm-hmm. kind of right. what's smart. And then a, a good character like Caldera, who had what was really cool for a few books and kind of had some potential she's totally sidelined these next two in bound and marked and i i think that was maybe a, a miss by benedict jacket because she was a great character and someone we resonated with and then to just kind of take her off the board when she was an established side character i feel like that's a yeah i feel like that as well i felt that same way with the time mage what's his name yeah saunder uh, saunder as well saunder comes saunder. in and out every few books but he's great uh, he's yeah he's an established yeah. character we kind of know what makes him tick and then he's gone and we don't yeah. even like hear about him at all 
And again, those two characters, they had such strong personality traits, right? Where Sonder is like, mm-hmm. at least when we met him, the fresh person to the council that, or not the council, but to, yeah, that's yeah, trying to he's an make his way. Agent. Yeah. 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 And, and Valdera is very much trying Cal- to, Caldera, oh, Caldera. Yeah. There Caldera are a lot is, of V, there's a lot of V characters. Caldera is very much trying to be very rule oriented and is being passed up for promotions and is frustrated by that, but mm-hmm. is very loyal to what she believes to be right. And so again, these strong side characters have these very strong personalities that I think a lot of other people in this series are kind of missing. Yeah. And in these two books, it's all about the high ranking light mages. I think they kind of dominate most of the side characters and I don't really care for them. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that was inevitable when Alex jumped up the level of being the aide to Morden. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, at that level, he was going to interact with that group more. Right. At that level, you're like, I don't know, you're in the president's cabinet instead of just being like a FBI worker or something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I still feel like you could have incorporated Caldera and Sonder more pretty easily. And also just added a little bit more humanity to some of these leading light mages. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Especially when so much of the plot revolves around their decisions, right? Their decision just to Mm -hmm. author or like author a death sentence for Alex that ends up haunting him across the globe or whatever, right? You have these decisions that really are driving the plot that you just kind of don't, you can't hate anybody for them, right? Because you don't know anybody to hate. Yeah, I mean, we know Levistus is responsible for that, and we know we don't like Levistus, but but he can do really, it alone. Yeah, and I can't right. really like tell you anything else about him other than he hates Alex and Alex hates him. Yeah, and again, it's weird because we've spent some time with Levistus since like the second book, right? That was who had the air elemental. That yeah, or was that even the first book? Because that, that was the, the whole first book. Fate, yeah, that was the fate weaver thing. Yeah. So, you know, we're nine books in and this character's made an appearance over, I don't know, every other book or whatever you're, you're seeing him. And again, we're just kind of, yeah. Well, anyway, that, I think honestly, that's my main criticism of the whole series is which characters are included and the ones that are included, how strong are they? But um, I do think our main group of characters is very solid. And I like that they kind of have, you know, have come together more as a family at this point and they've kind of and they've weathered these different experiences and they're yeah. really all there for each other and i think there's a few instances throughout books eight and nine where they all kind of realize this and alex realizes this and there's some there's some good moments throughout and that the main core is why i continue reading yeah absolutely and it's nice as a reader not to have to worry about oh is very gonna leave the group because he's upset or is and gonna leave the group or Luna going to decide that she's going to wander off with the next boy that comes around with a gen or something, you know, it's <laughs> uh-huh. nice to have kind that of past that point. Right. Exactly. And I think if I think back to our previous reviews, we were really annoyed when Luna would go a couple books without being mentioned, you know, and it was mm-hmm. like, what's going on? Like this is, and I think at this point we've kind of accepted that, that other side characters just aren't ever going to be as important, but we have enough characters that we do care about that it makes yeah. it makes every book feel full. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like all of, for better or for worse, I think there's some pros and cons to this, but basically our four main characters are all kind of working with Alex towards whatever, whatever Alex is working on. 
and they don't really have many side things of their own. In previous books, it was kind of about like, like you mentioned, the different ways that they might be splintering off or different things that they're having to deal with. But now it's all kind of one mission altogether, which I think is good, but also, I don't know. I, I, I also like the individuality of some of the previous books, but maybe we've already experienced that and now it, they're all working together. That's fine. Yeah, I might disagree with you a little bit. I think that like Varium is still a keeper, right? He has that going on that he always kind of has in the background. Okay, true. And Luna has her training with whoever the dark mage is that she signed up with. And yeah, I don't remember that one's name either, but yeah. Yeah. And has her infirmary that she that she does, right? So well, she's I not think, doing that anymore because now oh, she's yeah. signed up on the council as well. That's true. But I mean, yeah, she's Alex's aide. I think that part of the reason why we might think that it's just all revolves around Alex is because it's being told from Alex's perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so he's not going to talk about like the ins and outs of Varium's day. So yeah. But again, it, those things make these characters feel like real people. You know, I don't know what you do in and out of every one of your day. I know like snapshots of it, right? <laughs> but it's uh-huh. like if I was writing the story of my life i'm not going to be like and then steven clocked in at 8 30 you know and... <laughs> oh gosh hopefully hopefully steven's not <laughs> clocking in at 8 <laughs> 30 are you more of a 9 30 guy uh, uh you know it varies it varies <laughs> yeah uh yeah yeah uh n- no further comment on that <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah um okay well let's go over to the other part of i i think there are two big moments in this book that i really enjoyed and one was the whole um, Archon Richard thing that was happening behind the scenes and then ultimately that reveal. I thought that worked really well. And I, you always knew something weird was going on with this Archon character, but I didn't suspect it was Richard. I thought it was just, you know, Richard's latest evil henchman. Um, but the, that reveal was really cool. I, I, it really worked for me. Yeah. I was convinced I would have like died by this theory. I was convinced that it was somebody from the alternate round that uh, alternate realm that Richard had found. Oh, that he because we know into, that Richard yeah. went to another realm, right? That was revealed yeah. way back in. Uh, yeah, that was like his original kind of purpose back when Alex and Rachel and the other fire mage that died. Don't remember her name. Anyway, yeah, those. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So I was the I was thinking, oh, he has to wear his helmet so that he can survive on our planet, whatever, and. Mm. And he was he was going to be like Richard Chosen from the alternate dimension. I still think that would have been a really cool twist. But the fact that it was just Richard is cool as well. And it's also interesting that we have this theorizing from Alex as to what Richard's magic type is. And then you get to see Richard in action where he's doing some type of magic. Yeah, but yeah, we still don't know what that magic type is. I think that's a cool thing. There's enough hints. I feel like if we read it really carefully, like maybe we could come up with it, but... I feel like this yeah. is being set up well, and I, I really hope it pays off in the future. Yeah, I mean, to me, it feels like we have Alex's prediction, right? Or his theorizing. So, I don't know, do you kind of go by I that? I mean, Alex has kind of talked about maybe he's a diviner. That seems to be the strongest theory, but I don't... Yeah, is he just using a bunch of different imbued items that give him all kinds of abilities? So, just he's masking his real abilities really well. Right, and we know that he is... Yeah, we know that he's very interested in these magical items because he wanted the dreamstone for something. So, yeah, I mean, so that's a good mystery. It's a good side. Diviner really makes sense. It's obviously not going to be some basic elemental 
mage because that's not interesting. Like he's obviously not fire or water or like that. That's boring. It's gonna right. be something actually cool. So <laughs> I mean, what what options does that leave us? Uh, life mage, death diviner, death mage, diviner could be like a chance mage, right? That's a thing. Yeah, there's probably a handful of other ones, but it's but we know it's gonna be like an interesting, unique thing, not just a yeah. basic attack type. Yeah, I exactly. And maybe maybe he's discovered a way to get multiple magic types. We we read about yeah, like, that could be cool. That could be cool. Yeah, and maybe even a magic type that we've never heard of from the realm that he's visited. There's all sorts of different ways that it could play out. So mm-hmm. it is kind of a cool like underlying mystery that I think Benedict Jaka has. He knows the answer to it, and so it's cool that he's able to slide in. It feels very Sandersonian of him to kind mm. of be slipping in these it might be a little bit yeah. more heavy-handed than what a standard what sanderson might do because he just has like his characters theorizing about it together which feels a little yeah bit... I, th- I think as long as there's a good payoff and, and i think the payoff would need to have some real implications to the plot of you know what is richard trying to do well he's trying to do this and part of it is because of his magic type and you know he has these strengths and weaknesses and his ultimate goal is really interesting and it's all kind of related. I, I hope for an ending like that. Yeah. Agreed. Or even the fact that like, I don't know, like Alex can figure something out to use it against him or something, you know, th- there has to be some mm-hmm. type of thing that, and that kind of sets up with the definition, th- definition thing too, right. Where Alex might understand that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know how Alex is possibly going to have the upper hand against Richard. That. However that happens, I mean, we assume ultimately that Richard will not prevail, but however his downfall happens, <laughs> however his hypothetical downfall happens, I don't know how it's, it doesn't really seem possible at this point. Like Richard is always the guy who is, you know, two steps ahead, yeah. three steps ahead, four steps ahead, whatever. So yeah. it really needs, something needs to happen in the next three books to kind of change that paradigm a little bit where it makes me think that it is possible for Alex to win because right now he's got no shot yeah right now he's just a little ant that can kind of be flicked away I mean I assume it's gonna be like what are Alex's strengths well he's got his his group right and they all trust each other and Richard doesn't have that he's a dark mage dark mages operate through fear and intimidation and power and so I would hope that the ultimate conclusion is you know Alex and friends working together that's all that's always kind of you know it's it's usually what happens our plucky underpowered heroes end up banding together to take down the, the big bad right yeah uh, we've seen it a million times but it always i always like it it always as long as there's a good setup for it i think yeah i agree i agree it, it definitely yeah i don't want to spoil other books but there's books that reminds me of where you can be like yeah this group of heroes bound mm-hmm. together to defeat somebody yeah. so i mean harry potter right harry potter yeah sure well yeah. just the first book of harry potter well. where they yeah first book of harry potter where ron defeats the chess match and hermione well what does hermione do she does uh well she what she knows about devil oh, snare devil devil snare yeah and then oh she also well in the book she solves snape's riddle for the potions right oh yeah but yep didn't didn't make the movie no nope. that yeah too boring not enough action too boring anyway uh back to alex Varys, away from harry potter so the other thing that I thought worked out really well in, in this book is 
the whole setup at the end where the dark the dark mages are coming right to do something really nefarious to the uh the white council and alex knows about it and he's got this decision like do i tell talisad how do i do this because i'm in this real you know he's he's stuck between a rock and a hard place and i thought yeah. all of that worked out really well and ultimately didn't really like it was a it was a loss for alex but like he couldn't really do anything about this situation and so it it all kind of played out in, in a reasonable like it not a satisfying way but a way that made sense and a way that was satisfying to read at least yeah well it's it's very true to life right sometimes you find yourself in yeah. this situation yeah. that's like there's no good option so i'm just right. going to choose the option that doesn't feel like it's going to kill me or <laughs> has the least likelihood yeah. of killing me obviously we don't like most people don't find themselves in life and death situations but a lot of times when you're just day to day you know this might not i don't know it might not be the most productive thing but i don't whatever apply it to your own life but it, it feels like a situation that people find themselves in constantly and i mean at least we took down those uh crusader psychos that tortured and flayed and like that was r- real dark probably the darkest thing we've seen in alex ferris so far yeah yeah <laughs> alex got a lot of sat like a little bit too much satisfaction in that one <laughs> and taking them down yeah well just like standing over him and shooting him yeah i mean it was kind of reminded me of whatever book that was i think his book four maybe when the night watchers you know he had that whole thing and he set up uh behala and cinder to take him all out and he fights that one at the end and he gets super pissed at him and says you know you did this to yourself and kills him yeah yeah there's definitely some dark stuff in yeah alex is you know we've seen this before so yeah there's a dark side to alex yeah there's a reason why people view him as a dark mage yeah yeah definitely but yeah and obviously this is you know this is a big book for Anne for Anne's character where she's going she really just continues to have a hard road i mean being basically an inch from death as a life mage and what whatever amount of crazy pain she must have gone through through that whole experience and then the whole gin bonding as well that happens in this book is going to be bad and we see that and towards the end of marked which we can probably go into now yeah we can go into marked yeah but overall overall notes for bound yeah i enjoyed it i thought that started it was the beginning of the end in a lot of aspects and i i appreciate it for that yeah beginning of the end is a good way to describe it okay so marked i think you said you you like this one like all the way through yeah let's see i think that i think one of the parts that the series as a whole always kind of struggles with is like the first few chapters where it's just everything's kind of reset in a weird way mm. and you see that in dresden as well yeah but it's like with this I'm one alex Varis. here's my story here's my yeah. mission this book yeah exactly but with this one it felt very natural like yeah, there's a ton of imbued artifacts that are just floating around, causing chaos everywhere. Let's mm-hmm. go get them, you know. And so it gives it gives a fun way for Alex to have a fun mission at the very beginning and kind of throw you into the plot of the book without it feeling mm-hmm. without feeling as stinted as maybe the previous books have. Yeah, and this is definitely the trend in fantasy books. Start your book with a short exciting mission that will hook the reader but doesn't command the rest of the plot but at least sets up a few elements of it i mean beginning of stormlight as well right like (laughs) did you you see the tiktok i posted on discord 
yeah the lego yeah <laughs> that's amazing yeah it, for people listening if you haven't uh you know it's probably gonna be too far to scroll back up on discord but search for like lego tiktok stormlight um prologue and it, you'll find it it was pretty good it's just but, Zeth yeah. doing his doing his deeds at the you know chapter one of way of kings yep so i agree yeah what about you did it i mean how does this compare to bound for example I like this one better than Bound. I think it was really dominated by the ending. The ending sequence was pretty similar to the last one. The ending sequence was what I'm going to remember the most from it. And I thought that was the strongest part of the book. Middle part was maybe, I don't know, maybe not just not as memorable, not as exciting. Kind of got into, you know, council politics and this mage is wanting to do this. This one's wanting to do that. Not my favorite. We already kind of talked about that a bit, but the end really worked for me and the whole twist of, you know, okay. And, and ha- we know Anne has a dark side and that was set up. Well, I guess it was set up in the middle of the book, so I shouldn't be too critical, but that, that was set up. And then finally, and then we see the payoff where it wasn't Behela. It was like dark Anne who is pretty powerful. And we've always known Anne is, has the potential to be super powerful as like a life death hybrid thing, whatever we have going on here with her dark side as well. So that, I mean, I'm jumping right to the end, but I think that was what made this book for me. Yeah, I agree. So it's kind of interesting because we have already seen the kind of twist with Vahela. I forget what book it was in, but it was when she, when somebody acted like they're Vahela or whatever, and it really wasn't, right? It was like, there was an assassination attempt on Alex at the same time, but it was, they like opened a portal and the mage that could make illusions made it look like Vahela was doing it was using death magic but it wasn't do you remember that scene i don't remember what book that was but no no yeah, clue what book sure. it was. but so it's interesting that they kind of did that same trick again with vihela kind of acting like it was her but it was not her it was Anne. the the two scenes kind of reminded me a lot of each other where it's like you know disguised death magic or life magic i thought that i thought it still worked well but it yeah. was it was very much like, okay, this is happening again. And it was kind of similar to the the misdirection twist we saw in the last book with, with Richard and Archon, but this time it was, I mean, different because that one was the whole book, but this one was was so quick, but also th- this was just so impactful to the characters we actually care about. So I thought, it, I, yeah. I feel like it, I, I liked it. Like I really thought it worked and it sets up kind of a darker ending to the series where you know, you said previously you feel like in our main group of characters, none of them are going to wander off. But I don't know. I kind of disagree after reading this one because Anne could very well, you know, her dark side could take over and she could ultimately. Uh, I don't I don't feel like she's safe at the end. I mean, like Luna, Sonder, Varium, you know, kind of our like tier two characters, maybe Sonder's like tier three. But the, the tier two level characters, I feel like, you know, they're probably safe. They'll be fine by the end. But. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and de- it definitely leaves you on a, a cliffhanger for that, right? Like, and for a series that you know doesn't shy away from cliffhangers, the I think that this one, you know, is definitely definitely there. Um, what do you think of the? I guess when you say cliffhanger, are you talking about just Anne's character in general? Or are you talking about our uh, little, our romance that has finally started up? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I guess both. I, I think that it, just in general, I mean, this this 
book really made me want to pick up the next one, you know, quicker than I normally would have. Uh, mm. Normally, I wait for you guys to catch up. And after this one, I was like, I got to see what happens in the next <laughs> few chapters, uh-huh. which led to a few knock on effects. But I don't know. So, yeah, the romance, the character development, the fact that, I mean, I don't know. It just feels like, like you're saying, Anne's character has been set up to be this double sided nature of her character has just been set up for so many books now. And you finally see it like hit right now and then it's very confusing on what's going to happen next i think yeah i think Anne's double you know she two sides of the same coin of life and death and like she's such a caring peaceful person on one end but she also has the potential for so much destruction like this is a great character and now that this has happened i'm really interested to see what the ramifications are and where we go from here because there's kind of this tenuous balance here but um between the Jin and richard and Anne and and alex like yeah it things could very well go south at any given time and so i think this sets up really cool implications in the future yeah what about like our other side characters same same type feelings that we're talking about before like what's what's going on like why why aren't we seeing any of the other character side characters that we've come to know um, you mean like our Caldera and Saunders? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd say same as our previous discussion. Like, I wish those ones were in were in this book more. And I mean, we, I guess we still have our side dark mages, like Onyx and Cinder are still around. And yeah, those are some characters that have some character to them. Uh, Rachel slash Delio still kind of hovering at the edges of the story. And I think I cannot remember her friend's name that she killed. And I can't remember if she's a fire mage or a water mage. I feel dumb for that comment before. Anyway, whatever that character's name was, yeah, uh, you know, and, and the promise that Alex made to her that he was going to try to save her. And then Alex's conversation with the dragon that hinted at the importance of redeeming Delio somehow. So that that's been mentioned enough. It's, it's kind of in the same vein as the what magic type is Richard. Yeah, the, the Delio payoff, I think, has um, to be big. Yeah, that that's got to be big too. So there's my yeah. side character summary. I feel like it was good on the dark mage side at least. Yeah, but not. Yeah, okay. So what about what about like Morton's escape? Right, it had very like a a Joker feel to me when he's just like so oh, in sure. jail, and yeah. you're just like waiting for him to walk out. You know, yeah, his his jail is super nice, and he's commanding over everything, and. Yeah. 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 Jo- Joker. I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. And maybe not, not quite as like chaotic evil as Joker might be, but like very much like mm-hmm. I'm just going to wait until yeah, Richard senses, you know, Richard's got something. I mean, that gives you the sense of we talked before about how Richard is always way ahead of everyone else. That gives you the sense of how much further ahead he is because he had this all planned out to the point where he could assure Morden like, uh, you know, this is all going to go according to plan. We're going to bust you out of here. Obviously, this was brewing for a long time. Yeah. How realistic is that, though? Because this well, I think months. it depends on when we figure out what Richard's abilities actually are. Okay. Yeah. So, like, say he's a divinator. Like, how diviner. far in the future? <laughs> if, he, if he's just like a, you know, Super Saiyan diviner, then okay, I guess that works. I, yeah. But yeah, I, I think maybe it's not super realistic. But also how realistic is it for the Joker to be able to do what he does, right? No, but my point is with the Joker, it was within, a, I don't know, 24 hours. With this, it was he was in there for months and they, the Light Council could have put him to death at any point. And maybe Richard just had the firepower yeah. to come in and 
save him anytime he wanted, but you don't get that sense. You get the sense that Richard's main weapon here was going to be Anne. I don't know. I feel like if, if things had gone south for this plan somehow, I feel like Richard probably had a plan B and C and D and E. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe what actually happened was plan B and plan yeah. A was something. That's I true. Don't know. Okay. Okay. You've convinced me. We just well, assume I, that Richard is like... I do think this was plan A. I mean, the whole thing with Anne and the gin, like this is clearly something he's been trying to do for a while, but maybe it's taken a while and he would have preferred to act a little sooner. Yeah. What about, do you think it was too easy for Alex to save Anne here? Just like walking in and kind of throwing some rocks at the gin and then telling Anne that he loves her? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like It seemed kind of like it, a fairy was, tale. A little yeah, bit. it was it was a nice moment, but at the same time, there's definitely some cheese factor to it. Didn't seem yeah, it didn't seem super realistic. But you know, the power of love, right? Harry Potter talked about it before. Yeah. Kind of similar, similar feels. I, yeah. I thought their conversation later was better, where Anne was like, you know, I do love you, but at the same time, you know, I'm so dangerous and powerful. And Alex is like, this is the same reason that I never wanted to do anything with you because I'm so dangerous and powerful. But at the same time, like, if not now, then when, so right. let's go for it. Like, I thought that was, that was pretty good. Okay. But yeah, maybe the heat of the battle. I love you thing was a little cheesy. Yeah. I, I, agree, I agree with those sentiments to me. It was what I wanted to happen, but at the same time, I was like, I guess it happened. You know, I was hoping for like a different way. And what about how you're having a hard time? Like, you're having a hard time quantifying the love power versus the gin power. Right. Being exactly. able to like really understand like, okay, how do we defeat the gin here? Cause love is only a plus three and the gin has, like, you know, plus a hundred. Yeah. 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 And then the fact that like, Anne just immediately chooses the wrong thing and sends not Anne back down to be in prison the whole time. Versus like what she's been encouraged to do and like form this partnership with her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because clearly it's not sustainable. So, yeah, also, but I also don't understand how the partnership that she's been encouraged to form is sustainable because we've seen that not Anne is just like totally unhinged and, and is destructive and violent. And how does she really, I, I don't know, but maybe she has to rectify that with herself and come to some, I don't know. It, if not Anne is a totally separate entity, then it seems like. It doesn't seem like she can actually work together with Anne at all, but if they can somehow find some cohesion and kind of get away from the extremities, then maybe. I mean, we've seen another popular series do a similar plot arc that ended up recently decent. Series that series that recently ended? No, it hasn't ended yet. It will be... Are we okay? Are we thinking... Okay, like, come on. There's not that many split like, personalities. Like red, like red hair? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not completely resolved, but a big part yeah, of it yeah, sure. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, there's like this other, okay, we don't need to get into that <laughs> one, but yeah, I guess. I'm just saying, yeah, I don't know. There, I think that you'd be able to have some type of thing where not Anne realizes that she was going to be roasted by the gin and it makes her rethink her ways and then sees that Alex loves both of them or something like that and they're able to come and maybe that's like the conflict for the next book or something where they come to like an uneasy truths and you have Anne acting out sometimes in weird ways i don't know 
obviously that's not where the series went, which is fine, but it still feels like the decision that Anne made. Like she already had it come back to bite her. And then she just made the exact same decision. I think that's kind of human though. Like she's obviously, she's so terrified of this and she just went through a ton of pain and terrible stuff in the past two books. Like it's pretty understandable to just go with whatever's going to keep her safe in the short term. Yeah, no, I agree. But it seemed like she had already reached a point of relative safety. And I mean, you had Alex saying there being like, are you sure that's a good idea? You know? Hmm. Yeah, I guess I just don't understand the whole, like, what would she do in order to form a, you know, an equal equilibrium between her two parts? I just, I can't really imagine even what that process is. So I, I don't know yeah, how to weigh I can't, in on I can't, it. I mean, I could, I could imagine Alex teleporting in the therapist that they have into like, the dream world and then them sitting down for a therapy session or something. I don't know. There's tons of different avenues that you could do to, yeah. to do this. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe that, maybe that does happen, but. All right. Well, uh, that's a review of bound and marked. I think we're both thinking that we've reached the beginning of the end and the series is, is trending up. I'm excited yeah. to finish three more books, two more books for you. Um, Cause yeah. you've already read fallen, but. And it's nice to have a series that's already complete so we don't have to wait for the end. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess we'll hype up. Uh, we just got, uh, so in October, Benedict Jaka is launching his new book called Inheritance of Magic. The Inheritance and of Magic. New book and new series. And new series, yeah. yeah. So there's a brand new series. Similar, I, I read the first couple chapters last night. It's similar, there's magic in this world and it's kind of in a, it's, I, it's still set in London. It's still like okay. You'd be you'd be forgiven for confusing it as our same world or whatever. So there's a lot of similarities to it, but it's a little bit younger protagonist. It kind of feels like if we were to start following Alex when he was an apprentice or something, before mm. he kind of came into. His Is own. it like a magic school thing? Inheritance of magic kind of sounds like a school is uh, involved. I haven't gotten to a point where school is involved. I don't know. Mm. So okay, but all right, alternative reality, London. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I, I'm excited for that. So, uh, if you're a fan, if you're listening to this podcast, it probably f- means that you're a fan of Jaka's work. So, put that on your list of things to read, read for October. Yeah, and we've never talked uh, with him, but I think we, if we uh, read through Inheritance of Magic pretty quickly and shoot him a message, probably, yeah, up to, you know, coming on for an interview. Usually authors are, so we'll try to do that too. Yeah, sounds good. Sweet. All right. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. See you.